Welcome to Randy's Roundtable. I'm your host, Randy, and with me today is Cassie, Eva, Emma, and Stephanie. So when you introduce your girls today, would you rather be a Mooney or a Lanfalian? And that being Moonies, being the ones who have like the goatish features with magic and Lanfalians being the ones with wings. I don't think I don't think that they've ever been shown to use magic, so do you want to be goatish with magic or wings no magic? Hi. My name is Cassie. If I was in the saga world, I would be a Lanfalian because wings would be amazing. And only for that reason. Like just just I want wings. Hey, I'm Eva, and I think I would probably go, I'm kind of leaning towards Mooney, I guess. But the wings <laughs> aspect really is super appealing, but also they're like the thin kind of like insectoid wings that I feel like would rip super easily. And they do, because we see that, and it just hurts like a bitch, so. Yeah. Well, some of the wings too, though, are bird-like as well. That's true, that's true. I mean, wings are easily breakable. You know, well, hi, I'm Stephanie, and everything about me is generally pretty breakable, so I'll just go ahead and be a bird. Give me those wings. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Emma, and I'll take the wings. Awesome, awesome. I, I would also probably take the wings. Just because I want to fly, like, that's the thing that I've always wanted to do, is just fly. <laughs> I think most people have. Right? I would, I would love to fly like a bird, though. That would be amazing. Albeit, I'd probably be a lot smaller and weigh a lot less. So that, like, my wings could actually lift me. Or they'd be really, really large wings. I mean, you're assuming that we have to apply traditional physics to this. You got wings, you can do what you want. That is true. All right. First, let's talk about the characters. Like, in the storyline, we meet a lot of characters. We follow this really growing family of people, of uh, very interesting characters throughout the story. And so... As you've read the story, who is your favorite character? Who have you grown to really like? I would say my favorite character is probably Isabel. I, th I think she's a really cool character. Very fun to watch, like us read. Um, and her interactions with other characters and just overall personality. I wish I could be that cool. And she's a ghost. Like... Who wouldn't want to be a ghost? Wow. Okay, that actually sounds really sad. <laughs> but I like Isabel. Isabel is life. <laughs> it's a... I really like Hazel. <laughs> sad face. <laughs> She's a sweetie pie. I oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Isabel. Sorry, I mixed up the names. Isabel. Ah, Isabel, the ghost babysitter. She yeah. is awesome. I love that she can, like, cast illusions and read minds and just... Her snark and just, like, the mischief that they yes. kind of, like, got up to. I love that. 
I love that so much and her just like I don't give a fuck attitude but like I really care about this family now Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah she seemed to really like latch on to the idea of being able to get off the planet and then like she really grew to love the family that she's been watching over especially Hazel I really like Isabel and Hazel I think they're adorable but uh they're super adorable I think I think my favorites are the sidekick animals that we see throughout <laughs> the storyline of like Lion Cat. Love Lion Cat. <gasps> Lion Cat. Lion Cat. I'll just throw that I was out there. Say Lion Cat. <laughs> yes, yes. Lion Cat. Uh, there's also friend Friendo, that wa- uh, the walrus with the seal guy Gus or Goose. He was also really cool, and then. He also had uh, the brand's big old dog, Sweet Boy, and I really liked him, too. I thought he was cool. I can't remember. I feel like he could, like, shoot lasers or something. I feel like that was that was something that happened. Well, that's but... just all dogs. All dogs go it to should be. all dogs shoot lasers. Lying. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish that were the case. Uh, what did you guys think of... Marco and Alana, our main characters of the story. I like how Alana and Marco are created and expanded upon it throughout the series. At first, like, it kind of was just like, meh, whatever. They're the parents. Who cares? But as it goes on and you see more of... I, I guess I like Marco more because I feel like he gets a little more history and you can see more of him which may or may not truly be true could be just my own biasness coming in um but i like that we get to see little bits of you know this war overall from two different sides coming together because there's a child that's mixed and just you know each side has a different perspective and they're having to navigate this world be like well we have a kid you know i gotta more or less escape and move on from the life that I had before to make sure my child lives. But at the same time, like you can't erase everything that you've learned and what you've gone through. So I actually really enjoy them as characters, but I don't know. There still could have been more with them too, I guess. They're all right. No strong feelings. (laughs) Like I like them. But it's like, yeah. I feel like, I don't know, like, there's just so much going on in Saga. You feel like we're only following these people because it's their daughter who's narrating everything. That is true. She's also kind of the crux between this war of of the Moonies against the Landfallians of like, true, there's she's also not supposed war. to be that, that part of the thing. Um, But yeah, I think... I've really enjoyed their character characterizations throughout this story a lot. Yeah, they're good and well written, but they're just no lying cat. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I just like, I really like how a lot of these characters are really well thought out. Um, they're very, they're very deep. Um, a lot of them show very humanistic flaws. They're wounded and they're protective and they just feel really real and relatable, unlike so many other characters of so many other stories that are out there. Like these 
these guys, I think, are very, very easy to relate to in their struggles of trying to just survive and be happy together, albeit, you know, haven't really gone through the war aspect in life, and I really hope not to. <laughs> That's fair. The other character that I really like in this story is Prince Robot the Fourth, and he's, he's fun. Yeah, I I find him very. I don't want to say interesting. That's that's pretty bland. But I find him very creative as a character, and also, like, despite his non-human nature, I think he's very human in his 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 goals and his wants, and just struggling through PTSD throughout the story because of the war. Prince Robot the Fourth is a really cool character. Like he definitely has that human aspect to him, despite not really like being human. But you can still see like that personification push. I don't know is that even the right word, but it's being pushed on him. We're making him more human. Like I mean, the fact that he can have children for one is a very human animal thing, and yet we're kind of presented this character that's not necessarily like human like i mean i guess he's i mean i don't know but he i don't know (laughs) he's a cool character that just definitely keeps you on your feet and is interesting to watch throughout the series I'm always kind of biased towards robot characters, so he's a good time. This is true. TV headman. I think it would be fun to just kind of vibe with him. I mean, maybe not through all the various mood swings and such, but on a chill day we can go vibe. He does have a lot. Yeah. He does have a lot of mood swings at times where you're just kind of like, okay, okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's calm down. Think about this rationally. It's a robot. You can't take a deep breath. <laughs> Racist. Yeah. Gonna go to the robot dungeons. That is true. I don't. But they have children like normal people. Hmm. So are they like synthetic organic in that sense then? Yeah. I. I feel like there's a nice subset out there on the internet that would be very happy to educate us on this, but I've never gone right? to look for them. <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> what did you guys think of the bounty hunters? The will, the stock, the brand. I don't remember if there was another the that came through the story. I feel like there probably was, but I can only remember those three off the top of my head at the moment. I want someone to show up and just Sexy be called Bob. Lady. They all have like Sexy these lady, yeah. non-name names. They do, they do. What did you guys think of the stock, the will? Their relationship was quite uh, curious. Honestly, <laughs> I kind of wanted to see more of the stock, and then you know she gets offed pretty quick there. <laughs> she does, yes. Yeah, it was she very seemed like quick. she was pretty ruthless. 
It's like when, introducing the super like badass like oh this is like one of the deadliest bounty hunters and then like immediately dead gone bye. Just, yes, I kind of liked that though. You know, you you have so many stories that do introduce subtly introduce these like big name villains or something, and then they come into play and then they're the main villain of the story. But with this one, the stock she just she just gets she dies real fast and. <laughs> I kind of like that, honestly. Yeah. I really like the Will, the stock. There's another, the the brand or something. Wait, is that the stock? There's a lot of those in this story, but I think that their introduction really kind of further develops the world. And especially because then you get introduced to, was it Sophie? The little slave sex girl like her character is very interesting because it's definitely a critique um on you know like the sexualization and the ramifications of war not just like in the real world but also in other fictional media like i believe like she gets compared a lot to like princess leia and like when she when leia was with like was it java or something i'm not a Star Wars person, that's Star Wars, right? Um, so it's one of those things where through those characters you get more into the world, more development, more intriguing side characters that you're like, huh, what's your story? Like, what led you to this point? Why are you a big spider? Like, what what were your parents like are you genetically created by scientists like there's just so much that you don't get to learn but you can kind of speculate that it's truly kind of a cool world and they help kind of further the plot as it goes and i think they're really cool characters even though you know i don't feel like we get enough of them but what do i know they were probably too scared of the little limbs there right the spider aspect might might scare might scare the chill children's they were worried about the fan art that it was gonna make i mean it probably yep. already did anyway <laughs> yeah also like the art of this story is really great it's so good the art is just beautiful gorgeous yes very very beautiful all the characters and all the scenery and just the creative aspects of it, like the uh, the tree rocket ship, I thought that was just really cool. I was like, that's so random, but like... I love it. I yeah. like that it's not a generic rocket ship. What do you guys feel about the story of Saga? Do you guys like it? Dislike it? What are your thoughts on the themes that are presented in the story, like uh, war, love, sex, death, and birth? I think the themes, the story, the overall art, the creation of Saga is really beautiful. It's well executed. Uh, There's very good development both within the characters, the story, the background. There's just so much in there that it's, it's a great world. Not one that I'd want to live in, but you know still good i think like the i think that it does like the stories it does cover it does do them really well like even if like 
even if some resolutions aren't what you want, uh, or like if they end sooner than you think they should, or are abruptly cut off, like I think the way it's handled is done particularly well, and it's not just a shock value thing. Yeah, I definitely think that there are some shocking moments. Like it starts off with a shock, but it like that's just you know, birth is women go through giving birth and that's pretty normal. I thought that was one of the coolest ways to start off a comic. I well, I granted I haven't yes. seen like a lot of comics, but like starting immediately off with like a, a childbirth scene in this like kick ass space fantasy um war death love sex comic that was just it set the tone and i think they did a superb job with that decision Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i thought it was a great start to this series and it really did as you said a great job of setting the tone for the story going forward i i remember back when i was first getting into it i believe um because one of my friends brother got me into it because he read comics and he's like you'll like this series um he had told me like oh there's a lot of censoring going on with it because of some of the the content in there there's nudity i mean you've got births um right at the start so i mean it and it's you know it's war it's sex it's violent and when you censor it it takes away from what the story is trying to present and then it brings the question of like well should you censor it should you not then who can read it who should wait like it it just brings in a whole separate thing um that really helps kind of further the discussion of the series too i mean it's heavily critiquing and raising questions about various aspects of war of violence um, of things that do happen in that in both fictional wars and real wars. I mean, there's plenty of instances that you could pull from the series that have probably happened in real life. I mean, sex crimes and violence is not just specific to comics. It's a real world issue that will probably never go away, but you can also learn from it and help fight against it. <laughs> Um, so I think overall it's a really great series. There's stuff I'd pick at it and be like, well, that was dumb, or I don't agree with this, but that's also the joy of being someone who's consuming the media. Like, I can critique it, but also respect it, understand where it's coming from. And it's really good. I really enjoy Sada. I think it's a great series. It's Also, do you guys remember... I don't remember what the, the, the planet was called, but like, the sex planet where they were greeted by the heads on legs. That's right. I do. Oh, <laughs> what is that called? Sextillion. Yes. Yes. That place. And when I saw those things, I was like, what? How do you, how do those function? I was so confused, but also like that is some fascinating art too at the same time. I do you think like you say I was so confused, but also aroused? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're confused about the function, once again, there's many people on the internet that would probably be happy to explain. <laughs> I think you should take a stab at explaining, Stephanie. 
Let's hear it. Function. Let us know. They got a big mouth. You know what you do with that mouth? <laughs> Please! <laughs> God. Ah, just hearing that from your mouth, I'm just... That's great. Great. It was fascinating. Weird. Kooky. And, uh, and it really felt like it fit the world, in all honesty. And uh, I always I always thought it was interesting that so many of the characters ended up on Sextillion one way or the other. It's definitely very interesting that so many people end up or visit Sextillion at one point or another within the series. It's kind of not... I mean, this is my own personal thoughts on it, but... It definitely, to me, feels like it's just kind of acknowledging, like, you know, there's all this going on in the world, but sex in some form sells, whether it's of age, underage, forced, not forced, um, secluded, not secluded, that sensuality and comfort that you can get from being with other people in a very close nature is you know, not just human, but just a real thing. And I think that's how I've always interpreted it is just like, you know, one way or another, we're all going to end up in our own world kind of like that, or to a certain degree, our own form of it. But it's definitely interesting that you see so many characters throughout the series, like end up there and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Why are you here? Like, what brought you here? How'd you get here? What's your story? Tell me more. It's really interesting. All roads lead to Sextillion. <laughs> it seems like it. But uh, what did you guys think of the little girl, Sophie? Uh, the Will... The Will rescues her off, off the planet... I feel like I didn't get to that part yet, so uh, I don't know about that. But she was cute, and I'm glad he did, like, the right thing, even if it cost him, you know, fucking up what yeah. he was intending to do, so. I mean, sometimes right. you just gotta murder He had the will file. to do it. It's all right. Yeah. Like, in the story, there's a couple of side characters that we follow briefly here and there. Doff and Upshur. They were the gay reporters that were trying to write the article on the war and trying to follow up the leads about Hazel. What did you guys think of them? Because I always, I thought the parallels from Doff and Upshur to Marco and Alana were really interesting because on their planet, they were also hiding that they were gay. So they were uh, in a more understandable position to be like, well, I just want to be left alone and just be able to live my life and be happy. Doff and Upshur were very interesting characters. I didn't like them for the longest time, but I mean, they're journalists. So I just personally don't like journalists because it's iffy on what they report. But I also respect like that they're trying to stay alive and also navigating their own issues, especially being a couple, being together, and also, like, trying to just stay alive. Because they could die, you know? And it's just... It's interesting to see them throughout and how they adapt to different situations, how they um, 
kind of work their way through things and how they report on the news too. Like, I think it's Upshur that like is the one that bursts in to the room when, what is it? Brand, the brand dies. And like, you can see that they genuinely have like an interest in their job, that they're not just doing it to stay alive. Like they do have that need to know what's going on, that love of being in the know. So it's kind of cool to see that aspect as well. And you kind of see them, you know, both not necessarily like battling each other, but kind of questioning each other to a certain degree, being like, you know, are we sure this is the right path? You know, maybe this would be the right way. And they have to work together in order to create the narrative that works for them, but also present a story. So it'd be interesting to have like their own series kind of, I guess, that follows them more. Maybe there is one. I, it's been a long time since I've read anything outside of like the main saga is there more than that i don't remember but i think they're cool i don't think i got that far in the uh, i was gonna about to call it a manga wow uh in the comic yet <laughs> um and i think i just remember the first maybe maybe both of them showing up and i was just like kind of like annoyed that they were interfering in the business of like the family <laughs> and trying to get the hazel and i was like no leave him alone <laughs> yeah yeah just like get out of their way, bro. We don't need another person going after this family. They got enough on their plate as is. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, essentially. Slowly, they realize that. I think Doff was more in the part where he realized that rather than Upshur. So long as I'm getting them, remembering them correctly, I believe Doff was the photographer. Upshur was the writer. And so, like in the story. As you're, as you guys have been reading it, is there anything that you're like, this is a little too much, too much, be it sexual themes or death themes or anything like that? Or if you guys think that there's a really good balance to the story and all the themes that have been portrayed in it? I mean, I'll be honest, the sex planet was a bit much for me, but I, that was definitely the point of it. <laughs> The sex planet was jarring, but like in the sense that I've been like we've been, we've been around the internet, and so we know all of the ge- like the gener the oh I can't speak today the degeneracy that's you know kind of going on. So that did not surprise me whatsoever. Um, when it was coming to the pedophile part, you know when yeah um, when was it Sophie Sophia. Yeah, it came up. I was like, oh my god, please do the right thing. Please do the right thing. Please do the... He did the right thing! So, if it had veered into, like, a different sort of territory, that might have been too much for me, but I think it's just because we've all been kind of, um... Oh, what is the word? All of those themes have been kind of, like, oversaturated, especially in, like, American media, so it's just very desensitized to it, so... Yeah, I think back when this comic started, which I don't have the date of that, but I'm pretty sure... It's been a while since it, the the start date of the comic, and back then I'm pretty sure that these kind of themes would have been more, less saturated than they are now. I know it was at least like year one of college, probably a little before. But... 2012. The first issue of Saga was released on March 14th, 
2012 to positive reviews and a sold-out first printing. Good. So, like, I think... When was Game of Thrones Game of Thrones released? When did that start? Twenty twelve too. Ooh, that's a good question. It went on for like five hundred years. So that started in two thousand eleven. So like the books or the TV show though, weren't the books HBO. around for a very okay? Yeah, so the TV show started then, and I mean the books were definitely around for a long time, and I don't know when those started or necessarily how saturated those themes are in the actual books itself i'm sure they're just as vibrant in the books as they are in the show but like i think that i feel like game of thrones is a real good point of when media started becoming more saturated with themes of of sex blood death birth all that kind of stuff and I think after that, it we become more we've become more desensitized after everything that happened in Game of Thrones. That it's just like, oh yeah, this is kind of normal. It's become more normalized. Just in general, I think uh, media has become more open to actually showing those themes more than they used to be. This can I go on a little tangent? About one of my Game of Thrones gripes. Ooh, I can't wait. Ooh, I want to hear this. Yes. Okay, so Game of Thrones gets to show all the boobs and butts and what have you that they want. Like, the longer the series went on, the more I noticed, like, oh yeah, they really like to show full body shots of the naked women, but where are the penises? I just want, like, I wasn't looking to see them. I wasn't actively, like, it wasn't something that I wanted to see for myself, but I wanted to see it for equality. There was such okay, an the imbalance. Of... <laughs> and that's is what the bugged plural me of about penises peni? <laughs> They never had more than one penis on there. They never got to use the plural. <laughs> no! <laughs> Yeah, there's there is some severe truth to that. Well, it's 2021. We need an equal amount of naked bodies between the sexes. Okay, but speaking of that, um, mm-hmm. do you guys remember in one of the? I think it was the Tokyo-based Wolverine uh, movie. What was it? Oh yeah, when oh. when Hugh Jackman just comes up, just like naked from the back, <laughs> and you can see his like butt, like, and everybody, we are all in the theater, like, what? <laughs> We need that in Game of Thrones. <laughs> I mean, that's, you definitely saw a lot of butts. That's the wrong angle, though. You gotta flip them around. Okay. You can... Sh- there were butts in Game of Thrones, but... Yeah. There were. And I mean, you got the prequel to Game of Thrones. They might equal it out a little bit more. You no, know they're not. I mean, probably not. And honestly, I'd rather look at boobs than I would at a dick any day. <laughs> It's not about if you want to look at it. It's the fact that they won't show it. <laughs> They'll show off all the girls. True. This is a simple yeah. sexual equality thing. If you're going to objectify <laughs> one person, you get to objectify the rest of them. I'm honestly surprised that, especially with Game of Thrones, that they weren't. 
So in bringing it back around to uh, Saga, I got really no like good like come back to what you're talking <laughs> about to that. <laughs> so Saga has been really good at cliffhangers throughout their volumes. And so we've been waiting two years for the next volume of Saga because the last volume came out in 2018, volume nine, and they left it on whether or not Marco is dead. And so I wanted to hear what you guys thought if they were going to kill off Marco in the next volume or if he's going to survive. I won't lie. I just assumed Marco died. I guess I didn't even think if that was actually what happened. I just kind of assumed was how they let it end there. I was like, oh, well, shit, he's dead. But at the same time, like, I hope he's not because he could have a cool comeback. Break into the scene and be like, hello, bitches. I live. Try again. But what do I know? I mean, I did Google the saga stuff. There's not going to be any new volumes in 2021, at least according to the internet. So, Which is disappointing. Mm-hmm. Very disappointing. But I mean, you can't die if but they it will be publish anything. Which is nice. I mean, yeah, if they don't publish anything, he can't. But, like, do you guys think he died? Uh, you know, in this world of, like, permadeath, like, kill anybody at random just for the shock value. But I don't, like, I don't think Saga would do that at the same time. Um, I mean, there have been a few important characters that have died. Yeah, yeah. And I won't name one of the other ones that I was really see- sad to see go at, the, like, Nearly the same exact time that Marco got hurt. Wait, no, do it. <laughs> Robot the fourth. He dies. Oh, he does? That's very sad. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, he gets like his... Well, I won't... I won't spoil how, but... <laughs> wow. How? Do does. it, spoil. Uh, you you grab the TV and you lift it from the body. Ho, ho, ho! the I mean... They probably thought there was just a head underneath. <laughs> right? It was just a mask. Scooby doing it, yeah. <laughs> it's really, they're really just some weird alien species that can remold their arms into cannons and other useful tools. And they just wear TV masks. I mean, I'd do that. I love his, fa- his father character, King Robot, because he's got giant... Plasma 65-inch screen TV is ahead, and I'm just like, that's awesome. <laughs> Do the TVs progressively get bigger as they, like, age? <laughs> I don't know, because we, uh, from all the characters that we've seen, as from the Robot Kingdom, have usually had relatively small, moderately comparable to their body type heads. I feel... But King yeah. Robot was just... He was massive. I feel like it's like personality like based. Like the TV will model <laughs> itself based on what type of a TV you're going to be in life. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think that should be exactly how it happens. <laughs> King Robot just had a larger than life personality. Not really. But. <laughs> So do you guys think he's alive or dead? 
That's a good question. Um, I think. Oh, well. He gets stabbed through the chest. Through the chest. I think Ow. they're at a point where I'm they just... could kill him. Like, it's not a. It wouldn't be a fun thing to have happen, but I think enough life has happened that you could have it make sense within the narrative. That they're like, yeah, he's dead now. Deal with it, everybody. Here's your fallout. Yeah. Well, I really hope Marco isn't dead, honestly. I did, I did, I was kind of fond of Marco and, you know, the, the main family. I'm blanking on her name. Alana? Yep. Yeah, same. And uh, they did leave one other character up in the air as to whether or not they survived or not. Albeit the artist, Fiona, has been like, I will not draw this if this character dies. <laughs> and that would be Lion Cat. <laughs> okay, they can't. They can't. Lion Cat's way too popular. Lion Cat <laughs> will live on past us all. <laughs> He'll be the main survivor of the whole story. Maybe Honestly. the narrator is actually Lion Cat this whole time. Somebody was just able to... Translate. Yep, translate the Hazel lying. was just transcribing the all for Lion Cat. They don't have thumbs <laughs> to write. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Somebody had to do it for them. Does anybody else have any last thoughts about Saga and the characters and the story? Anything you want to see from Saga in the future? I want to read more of it. <laughs> yes, you should. I think it would be good to have, yeah, just an update, you know, maybe in 2021, even though they said that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometime last year, uh, I watched a couple of interviews with Brian K. Vaughn, and he said that it is continuing. It's just going to take a while. And albeit, that was probably... Uh, said during COVID, so it's probably going to take a little while. 2022, maybe. But they did say it's continuing, so that's hopeful. But anybody else? Any last thoughts about Saga? Go read it. It's good. Do it. <laughs> it is. It is. It got banned off of Apple, so you know it's good. Oh, did it really? Wait, did it really? I believe so. Things got gay. <laughs> Homosexuality! It's banned everywhere. Hmm. I really hope that it didn't get banned off Apple. God. But, like, at that point, it's like, you know you made it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how that works? Sounds about right. Yeah, you know. Oh, here it's like you go. When you're a, when you're an author and your book gets like uh, banned from schools. <laughs> mm. In 2013, Saga Number Twelve was temporarily made unavailable in the App Store. Was, Did they say why? It's due to a misinterpretation on Comicsology's part of the Apple's content policies, led to the censorship 
censorship of several other comics, especially those from French publishers. That, yeah, oh. I think it was, it was, things were especially those from French publishers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's French publisher and distributor is Zeno. I N Z E N O. I'm assuming they also have stuff that's still kind of gay. Uh-huh. It could be any number of things. Yeah. I'm related to sexual content. Checking the comic book defense league play website. Yeah. Saying mm-hmm. that it was a homophobic reaction to certain images in the issue. Mm. Saga is an unceasingly brilliant fantasy tale filled with colorful cast of characters and an unyielding imaginative world. We can't wait for it to continue. So tell us your thoughts in the comments and then join us next time for some more nerdy R&R. Mm-hmm.